I thought Washington would bounce back against Arizona State, but the Sun Devils picked up the first win of the Sean Aguano era. So what do we make of those teams after an upset in the desert? Another one in the Pac-12. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions, which is why, if you haven't already, wherever you're listening to or watching the show, please like, comment, subscribe. Appreciate all of you who have done so. Five-star views on Apple Podcasts, or if you think it's a four-star show, that's okay. I would have been fine coming out of high schools, a four- or five-star recruit. I was far from it. But Richie Bradshaw is a four- or five-star caliber guest who's probably in a five-star caliber mood, I imagine, after Arizona State pulled the biggest upset of the weekend. I got to give you props here, Richie. I thought this was a bounce back spot for Washington. I'm, I'm leaning towards picking them for a, a double bounce back or I guess <laughs> a, a double pick and a single bounce back this week against Arizona at home back up in Seattle. But you came on here when we were talking about trap Thursday and I said, no, nah, I, I don't think Washington's in trouble. I think they're going to be fine. I thought Oregon would be fine. They were thought USC would be fine. They were, but you called it. You said, I think Washington is uh, has has got some upset potential here from Arizona State. And lo and behold, I imagine that was the best Saturday of the year for you. It was a pretty great Saturday. I thought about joining the uh, 15 Arizona State Sun Devil students from the student section and rushing the field. But I opted to remain professional and just scream at the top of my lungs once I got next to the field and the players. Uh, it it was it was a really intense game. The first drive, uh, Washington goes down the field, and you're kind of sitting there. You're like, yeah, this is about what I figured. But the first ASU drive, they go down the field and they score. And at that point, you kind of sit there and you're like, there's there's a different feeling to this team than what we've seen before. Like this is this is the kind of grit that we've been waiting to see. And even Emory Jones wasn't looking terrible, but unfortunately he does go down with an injury. It is day-to-day right now. Sean Aguano was not willing to diagnose anything for sure when we talked to him post-game. But in comes Trenton Borgay, who is a redshirt junior, had 12 career pass attempts coming into this year. Finishes the game 15 of 21, throws three touchdowns, and ultimately leads Arizona State to one of the most improbable victories of the 2022 college football season. Yeah, 14 point underdogs is 13 and a half by the time I put Washington in the Pac-12 prime picks. And it was off to a good start. It was 10 to three. I was following the scores going, all right, I think Washington will will be okay there. And then all of a sudden I looked and the Sun Devils had rattled off 21 points in a row. And it's so confusing. It, it's yeah. It's confusing because... I watched Kalen DeBoer a year ago go toe-to-toe with good Pac-12 teams with a Fresno State roster that is not as talented, top to bottom, as what Washington has. And they go to Tempe against an Arizona State team that has fired Herm Edwards, that has an interim head coach that hasn't been a, a Power 5 coordinator before, that is, for all accounts, 
in disarray. Washington had a stumble against UCLA. That's another thing that didn't make sense. Last year he beat Fresno or he won with Fresno State at UCLA. And now he's got a more talented team and loses this year to UCLA. I think it just shows you the randomness of college football sometimes because yeah. on paper, none of that stuff makes sense. And, and I'm not here doubting Kalen DeBoer. I, I think he's going to be just fine, not just this season, but but going forward a, as well. But how did this happen, Richie? Just just big picture. Washington has the, has the early touchdown lead. You think, okay, here we go. Huskies defense get a couple stops against an Arizona State offense that – you know, saw Emory Jones go down, but they couldn't get off the field. They, they allow 45 points, seven of them on a Michael Penix pick six, which proved to be the difference, unfortunately, for, for the Huskies. But how, how did this happen? Because I don't think that Arizona State is a better team than Washington overall. But for one day, they were. How? That, that's definitively the point, right, is that Washington head to toe, from talent on the field to coaching to everything else is the better football team. But sometimes you just run into that week where it, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe you just kind of were overlooking your opponent. Maybe you were uh, thinking down on yourself because you were coming off a loss. Maybe, maybe it just was the ultimate catalyst of everything kind of going Arizona state's way, but Arizona state just played like the hungrier team in that game. It, that team played with so much passion and drive. And you know what? They have been talking about this since Iguano took over and that Utah game, they come in, they got embarrassed against the Utes at home and they came in and especially Nesta Jade Silvera defensive tackle came in. He said, we're going to, we're going to prove you guys wrong. Like you watch, watch us bounce back. We're going to shock the world. They go next week to USC. It's 21, 17 at half. They ultimately ends up being 40, uh, 42-25. But even that game, you're like, okay, no, I'm I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel it. And then this week, they pull off the upset. And, of course, who's in the uh, press conference but Nessa Jade Silvera, who's like, this is the beginning. We're not done yet. And they've just got this mentality right now. It's like this underdog mentality. It's like they're just kind of sitting there, and they're like, go ahead. keep Keep doubting us. Keep writing us off. We're going to be a tough out every week. I think that's where Arizona State is at right now. I don't know that they're bull eligible at this point, but I think that the remainder of the schedule is going to look at Arizona State a lot differently and say, we can't take these guys for granted. We can't, just because we're number 11 UCLA, we can't overlook these guys. Just because Arizona State's coming up to Pullman, we can't overlook these guys. Just because, you know, any any of the other remaining games, Oregon State, Stanford, uh, Colorado and U of A. These guys are not going to look at Arizona State the same way that they did going into this week. They're going to realize this is this is a different team. Washington, I'm not worried about them. They'll bounce back. They are still a they're still a very good football team. They're still very well coached. But it just like I said, it was just seeming like a perfect storm coming down to Tempe. Everything was going ASU's way, and the Huskies just weren't feeling themselves weren't feeling themselves as much. And the team with a little more passion and drive won that day. I wonder too about, and I talked about this extensively on yesterday's show, how much being on the road after Washington played four straight games at home to begin the season, how much that had an impact. And not this weekend, but next, UCLA is going to be in a similar spot to the Huskies where 
They've had a lot of success. They've been really impressive. I think UCLA is playing like the best team in the Pac-12 right now. But next week, they have to go on the road to Autzen Stadium. And that's a lot different. And Washington was not going to two ruckus environments. But frankly, Richie, I, I wonder if that almost worked against the Huskies. If they, you know, went into those stadiums and in Oregon State, the same thing. I think it can be hard to get motivated if you don't have that energy from a big crowd, whether it's for you or against you. Because if you talk to players, not just at the collegiate, but the professional levels too, some of them would rather get a big win on the road and silence those fans who are heckling you, who are screaming at you all game long. And Washington came out, got the lead, and I wonder if there was just a sense of, oh, okay, yeah, we we got this. And the stakes felt a little bit lower. And Arizona State, to their credit, rose to the occasion. And they played with a team that eight times out of ten, maybe even nine, is going to beat them. But that was that was the one time. That was the Herb Brooks speech from from Miracle, one of the great sports movies in the history of the world, frankly, that was the one time that the U.S. was going to beat the Soviets on that particular day. I'm with you, though, and I'm not worried about Washington. I'll tell you why after I tell you that after cringing at the pump for the last, I don't know, year, year and a half to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really Hertz. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, buys groceries, or dines out. I dined out earlier tonight, and with every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. It's a simple, easy-to-use app. You can think about what you'll plan to do with all of your cash back. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. So Richie, I'm not worried about Washington. I think they could still be a 7-8 win team this year. Through the first month of the season, it looked like they could be 9 or 10, but now you've got two losses on the schedule, 10 wins that I don't think anyone's expecting them to win out. Could they go 5 and 1 down the stretch? Maybe, but to me, 8 and 4 looks well within reach, and I think that's a place where Washington fans should overall be content in a one-year turnaround to go, if you end the year eight and four, go to a bowl game, get a win from four wins to nine wins. That's a, I, I think overall that's a good place to be. But here's why I'm not worried about them. Their defense is was the problem in this game, which, which I want to ask you about. But I watched that Washington offense, and they put up 38 points. Okay, 38 points in any conference game. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. That should be enough to win. That's normally a win. Yep. That's right. That's normally a win. Now, they did not perform. They ended with 32, but you know they, they came late, didn't execute when they needed to offensively against UCLA. But the offense had the bounce back that I was expecting. It's the defense that didn't. But they're going home to Arizona this week. And who's helped more by a home crowd, the offense or the defense? The answer is the defense. Because you got the noise there. You have that home field advantage when your guys are on the field. They're screaming at the other team, and they're motivating you with every single play, right? It's it's helpful for the offense, but 
while a play is happening, a defensive player is far more motivated or energized, I guess I should say, by the home crowd, and Washington's defense faltered this week. Arizona State's offense is not better than UCLA's. The defense just had a bad day, but I think once they go back home, they'll be able to find their footing against Arizona this week. I don't think it'll be easy per se, but that that's that's the biggest reason, frankly, because I, I knew the I, I thought the offense would bounce back. The defense just didn't get there, but I think they'll be okay once they get back home. Hundred percent, like you said, like the the best cure for a like like a struggling defense is a home crowd that gets loud. If there's one place in the United States that knows how to get loud at home, it's it's Seattle, Washington. I mean, those mm-hmm. guys they they literally cause an earthquake for the Seahawks game when Marshawn Lynch had that insane run. They bring that energy to yes, beast mode. One of the greatest backs I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But those Seattle fans can bring the energy. And I mean, we've seen it before when, what do you got? Go Mariners, baby. Go Mariners. Oh yeah. Go Congratulations. Playoff baseball is coming to, playoff baseball is coming to Seattle. Those fans up there are hyped at yes. the moment. Absolutely You'll have to hyped. check out betonline.net for some good odds when those pop up. Mm, yes, <laughs> I, I, I complete, I completely agree, but let, let's get to the game and what actually happened there. Because did you feel like it was more defensive lapses from the Huskies, or was this just the be- best execution in a variety of areas that Arizona State has had all season with their highest point total? I got to tell you, I think it was just ASU hitting everything that they needed to do. Um, the Washington defense was not terrible, all things considered. Obviously, when you look at box scores, it really doesn't look good for them, but they were pretty well disciplined. They only had four penalties. Arizona State, as per usual, committed 10 penalties. Uh, they gave up, uh, what's that end up being like over 500 total yards, but they, they still played a lot better than what, uh, or no, not over 500 total. Goodness gracious. Three, 397. I combined like total yards and rushing yards. Don't listen to me. I, I don't know how to read a box score, <laughs> but they're they, confusing. They're very, yes. they're, they're very confusing. They are. And they, they really did a much better job than a box score would indicate. But unfortunately, ASU just had some great plays. The first one that comes to mind is Trenton Bourget, just right down the middle of the seam through the field, hits uh, Brian Thompson for a 38-yard catch. He's down at the one-yard line. What happens the next play later? Xavier Valade gets into the end zone. This was this was just the perfect storm for everything working for Arizona State. Trenton Bourget, man, what, what a game for him to remember for the rest of his life this was just absolutely outstanding to come off the bench and to perform the way that he did is like it's something that ASU fans are going to remember and it's certainly something that Borgay is going to remember the rest of the team stepped up too the offense looked great Zavian Valade got back to the century mark and a touchdown for himself Dana Nagata looked great with the touches he got Elijah Badger continues to look like a bona fide number one receiver for Arizona State the offensive line for the first time this year didn't give up a sack. They did not give up a sack for the that first helps. time this year. That especially helps a backup quarterback. Exactly. That is that is something that I did not see coming in a million years, especially because at some point, uh, Ladarius Henderson, the, the best lineman for us, who very well could end up being a first-team All-Pac-12 player, uh, Ladarius Henderson, an offensive guard, ends up going down at some point in the game. 
everyone steps up, including the guy I consistently call out at left tackle. And it's just gotten to a point where I don't even say his name because he's just going to find me on Twitter and like my tweets. And it's like, get off Twitter and get in the weight room. Like <laughs> stop. Like in my motivation, that's awesome. Like put me above, put me above the, uh, above the bench press or something like stop liking my tweets, but he played well. And so did the rest of the offensive line. So hats to them. They did everything they needed to do. And the defense got a couple crucial stops, which ultimately pushed this game in ASU's favor. I will say for Washington, the man-to-man coverage on wide receivers appears to be a problem. There were a number of instances against Arizona State, and we saw this against UCLA, where guys are in 1v1s, and sometimes in football, playing good defense is as simple as just winning a one-on-one with the guy who's across from you. And the defensive backs a couple times over the last two weeks have been flat-footed in the secondary, and I think that that has to improve. It certainly can, but if you're a Washington fan, that that's the area that I'm looking at and going, okay, this, this is a clear weakness here because Arizona State ran the ball pretty well, but it was the big passing plays and, and a backup quarterback just shredding them and putting up all the points that they did, 38 offensively plus the pick six. But here, here's the, the last thought I've got in this game and why I still feel okay about Washington. If you're a Husky fan and worried about this game, back-to-back losses, the, the defense allows over over around 40 points when you factor in the pick six, but that's the play that I want to talk about. Michael Penix throws a pick six that hits off of his own lineman's helmet. Yep. That's what we call a bob. Bounce yeah. of ball. Domed him. Yeah, he did. I thought he gave him a concussion. He hit him so hard with that ball. (laughs) Yeah, he was throwing a strike, and it hit right off his helmet. That's just bad luck going their way. So think about it if you're a Washington fan. If that doesn't happen, the chance that you win this game increases exponentially because Washington had the 10-3 lead, but they were down 24-10. And if you come all the way back, Right. If that pick six doesn't happen and let's say Washington doesn't get, you know, any extra points in there or anything of that sort. And you go to overtime, the momentum's on Washington's side because you're the one who's coming back. You're the one who's got the momentum at that point. And so if that play that is just bad luck, unlucky bleep happens, right? That's that's just sports. Like I said, bounce of ball. It happens in every game. Sometimes they go your way. Sometimes they don't. That one didn't and and was costly for Washington in a big way. If that doesn't happen and Washington wins this game, then the Huskies are looking at this at this last week's matchup and saying, well, you know, we escaped with a victory and it, it was close. It wasn't perfect, but we found a way to win, got it done. And they're still in the top 25. Like they're that close to still being a ranked team. So though I'm concerned about the secondary matching up in one-on-one coverage, I, I am not overall concerned with, with how this team is capable of performing this year. And I expect them to beat Arizona this week. And at home, after back-to-back losses, I expect them to be playing with an attitude. And I've, I've been teasing it through the first two shows this week, Richie. I think they're going right back in the Pac-12 prime picks. It's around 15, 16. I think they could run away with it, just like Oregon did down in Tucson. I think they could really run away with that game and just outscore the Arizona Wildcats. I'm here for it. Just absolutely tear them apart. <laughs> but to your point about, about Washington, I a hundred percent agree because that it really was, even as a fan, that's a fluky play. 
Yeah. That, that is that that does not happen with a quarterback of Michael Penix's caliber. First of all, this is the first game this year that Penix did not throw a touchdown pass. He had thrown at least two in every game this year. He was held out of the end zone as a thrower. He did have a rushing touchdown and, you know, they they scored what was it? Like six, five, uh, five, five times on the ground. Like mm-hmm. they, their ground game stepped up where their passing game wasn't able to, at least in the touchdown standpoint. But the odds of Michael Penix having another game like that anywhere in the world on the moon against Arizona State, not going to happen. You just sometimes, you know, I've heard the saying before. I will say this for the rest of my life. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, Spencer. Yes, and that's it is. that's what happened to Arizona State in that instance because that ball. It, it looked like a punt. That thing hung up there. It was in the air for forever. An hour. And, and then the, Jordan and the, Clark just. Right. The, and the, and the other thing, too, with it, if it hits off the helmet in, I don't know, an inch uh, of a different direction. It the ground, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it goes straight backwards. It hits the ground, falls to the turf harmlessly, and we've got a different game. Like Washington, I, I think, really was that close. So I'm, I'm not selling the, the, the Husky stock. Just yeah. What about the rest of the games in the Pac-12? Richie will share his thoughts on some of the biggest moments from over the weekend. But our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the biggest game of the weekend in the Conference of Champions. This week's thrilling moment from the Pac-12 football slate was UCLA's fumble recovery that set up a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter. UCLA had the ball back, or Utah did rather, down by 10. Cam Rising takes off running. Ball punched away from behind. Oregon transfer cornerback Jalen Davies scoops it up, runs it down inside the five. UCLA punches it in, and they put their stamp on their arrival as a Pac-12 contender at the midway point here in 2022 as they take care of the Utes and hand Utah their second loss of the year. That was the turning point. It was still at a point where there was a sliver of hope for for the Utes to come back. They still had some time, but once he went down 17 at that point, it was all over but the crime. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier or Armada or Pathfinder today, available now at NissanUSA.com. Richie, lots of other action around the Pac-12 uh, this weekend. And I want your thoughts on, on one game in, in particular. But if you've got any other ones, by all means, shout them out. Oregon State and Stanford. Now, I feel like the Beavs, who were playing with a backup quarterback, right? Branson had not made a start in, in his career, I don't believe, and did not execute the offense the way I think Jonathan Smith and offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren were hoping he could. But I didn't think that was going to matter going in. But much like with Washington, I just wonder if when you're playing on the road and it's a pretty light road environment, do you struggle as the game goes on to play with the sort of juice and fire and passion that you need to beat a team that you're better than Oregon state is a better football team than Stanford. Everyone in the conference is a better football team than Stanford in my view, except for Colorado. And I think they're a lot closer, frankly, than, than people think. And Stanford just found a way to lose this game. The miracle touchdown to Treshawn Harrison with uh, less than 30 seconds remaining, like an, an incredible finish, but 
I feel like it was big for the Beavers and the momentum that they're generating. They found a way to get a conference win. It was on the road. It's never easy to win on the road in conference play. I think we've seen that time and time again. Oregon at Washington State had to find a way to win. Oregon State at Stanford had to find a way to win. Washington at Arizona State ultimately lost, but had an opportunity to just find a way to win, and they weren't quite able to. I'm not selling my beef stock either. I have concerns about the quarterback play, but I feel like it's just one of those games where they struggled to get up for it sufficiently, and I don't anticipate that being the case as they host Washington State this week in a really good game. Who would have thought that if I told you coming into 2022, let alone five years ago, that one of the best Pac-12 matchups was going to be Wazoo versus Oregon State? Like you would have laughed at me, but I would, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have other others, perhaps probably but s- some of us were, were drinking the Kool-Aid from Jonathan Smith and Jake Dicker coming into the air. Just saying, just saying. Oh no, a hundred percent. Like you definitely aren't alone either. I had a feeling they were both going to be good this year. I, I did not think that this, this seriously Spencer outside of UCLA, Oregon might be the most exciting PAC 12 game on the roster. And that's when UCLA Oregon is next week. UCLA Oregon is is next week. The Bruins and the Ducks both have a bye this week. You are this week. Yes, this week is Oregon State, Washington State in Corvallis. Yeah, that's that's going to be fun. So then I will extra stand by my point that I think Oregon Wazoo could be more exciting than Utah US uh, USC. I don't I don't know. I just I look at that game and it feels especially look at the time starts at 6 p.m. What is that prime for pac 12 after dark? And that is the best football in the whole world. Cameron Ward is a lot of fun. Uh, If chance Nolan's back. Great. If not, Ben Goldbrunson just had an outstanding game with one of the best plays of the pac 12 this entire season. This feels like it could be a really fun shootout to watch. And I'm really excited to see just what should hopefully be a high powered game that and somewhere in like the 45 to 48 range. I actually anticipate it going the other way. Probably, I, I think but... especially if Gold Branson plays, who, you know, had his moments in that Stanford game, but came up big when he needed to. So his confidence has to be right here if he does play, right? right. And you've, you've had another week at practice running with the starters, and you had the game against Stanford last week. Like, let's, let's say it is Gold Branson. I don't think they know right now whether or not Chance Nolan will be back. Certainly he'd be the starter if uh, if he if he were fully healthy. But if it's Goldbranson again, I feel like what you're going to see is a Washington State defense that'll be feisty and hungry to go get after the quarterback, which they're capable of doing, and create some havoc plays, which they're very good at. And also Washington State's offense this year Hasn't been able to run the football consistently. They run it more than they used to in the air raid, but they still want to throw the ball first and foremost. And that Oregon State secondary, Richie, is absolutely nasty. They have got some ball players on the back end of that defense for first-year defensive coordinator Trent Bray. I would I would not think it'll be a shootout. It's certainly one we'll continue to preview as the, the week goes on, which is why if you haven't already, like and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. My thanks today to Richie Bradshaw, host of Locked On Sun Devils, for coming on and helping us break down 
the latest headlines and ongoings across the Pac-12. Richie, uh, continue to enjoy another day and another several days of sitting on an Arizona State win. I know Jaden Silvera is uh, optimistic about what the team could do going forward. I'll just say I'm not exactly in his camp, but I'm glad he has that mindset. So I don't know how often you'll be celebrating this feeling for the rest of the season. But for now, you get to enjoy it, my friend. Absolutely. The bye week couldn't have come in a better time. We're going to be enjoying this one in Tempe for a little bit. This uh, rightfully to so, right, excuse me, rightfully so deserved celebration for the team, for the fans with how rough the season has been. But, you know, next week you got to come back ready to work. You're going to Palo Alto. What once looked like a surefire win went to a, I really don't know about this and is now back to a, I think we can do this. So we'll see, but you know, as long as uh, Nesta is leading that charge with the locker room, stirring that pot, getting everyone to drink that Sean Aguano Kool-Aid, this team feels like they could continue to shock the world. I'm certainly here for it, especially from the aspect of getting to sit down and talk to you about the madness that is Pac-12 football. Oh, it is madness week in and week out, and we haven't even gotten to college basketball season yet, which is a lot closer than you probably think, but it's all football right now. I appreciate all of you listening. I will see you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.